Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. I am grinning like a possum eating a sweet tater. You know why? That's right. It's time for another Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, those Moon Pie-loving boys bring us another installment of Flying Squirrels. Plus, they review Roll for the Galaxy. They even let the better halves give their opinions on the game. So put down those moon pies, your own boys. Hey, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And this is episode number 68 called Roll with the Changes. Love that song. Love that song. One of my favorite REO Speedwagon songs. I appreciate you pointing that out to me, Marty. I mean, I had another one in here and you said, what's wrong with you, dude? You need to go with REO. And I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. I had completely forgotten that one. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. And it kind of fits the episode because in this episode, as Vanessa teased, we're going to be doing a review of Roll with the, Roll with the Changes. That's nice. I See, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. You know why I knew? Because I went and looked it up on Board Game Geek and I typed in, Roll with the Galaxy. And, like, and nothing came up. I'm like, what the heck? Roll for the Galaxy. And we have some changes in this one in that uh, my wife, Vanessa, and Tony's wife, Donna, is actually going to be giving their opinions on the game because they are two that really enjoy the game. And it was actually Vanessa that pushed uh, me to get it for her for Mother's Day. And once again, the devil is wearing his coat with my wife coming back on the show. So, um, <laughs> boys, y'all need to y'all need to enjoy this. So, um but Marty, let me um, do a real quick shout out um, before we get into our first segment here. Um, I want to th- thank the Cubist podcast for having you and I on the other night. That was awesome. That was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. This is a uh, newer podcast from Bill Corey Jr., who is the voice of the Dice Tower Showdown on the Dice Tower Network. And he started up his own uh, podcast, and he uh, asked us to come on and be a guest. And we had a ball. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think I said some stuff on there that uh, shocked him and you. Um, you'll just have to go listen to it about, does it bother you about, well, you're looking at me funny like that. No, no, just keep going. Keep going. You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I, yes, I vaguely remember that, that, that the shock has worn off a little bit, but yes. Do I keep my games in pristine order? And it's just how Marty protects everything. It, exactly. So that that's really interesting. Plus, we got to play his wonderful game, uh, Rapid Fire, uh, which was a lot of fun. And hey, Tony, he said that you and I have done the best of anybody that's been on the show so far. And two of those people that have been on the show so far is Suzanne and Chaz. But Marty, once again, the bar's not set high. Well, it's not. I mean, when Suzanne throws out, you know, like an answer to who was her, what was it? Who was her favorite designer? Mm-hmm. And she comes out and says, Milton Bradley. Well, there you go. I like that. Do you like that? Well, that was a great answer for... For being ridiculed, picked on? Well, of course, but we get ridiculed and picked on all the time. So, But yes, uh, that was great. And maybe, maybe Marty, he'll have us on Showdown sometime. I doubt that because he probably wants somebody that's on there that could be intelligent and like give one side of an argument and have make valid points and everything. And you and I would just fall all over ourselves. Yeah, well, we wouldn't say, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says you, your mama. Exactly. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll-
you'll really like. So once again, we'll have another segment of Flying Squirrels, and this is one of our new segments that we introduced in the last episode. And just a quick reminder of what this segment is about. You know, Tony and I are known for having our squirrel moments during our show, and he thought, well, you know what? Maybe we need to be more organized with our squirrel moments as they're fleeting and flying all over the place. So let's consolidate a lot of those into one segment which we're going to call Flying Squirrel, which we heard with Rocky back just a second ago. What we're going to do is each of us are going to have a topic, and we're going to talk about it for uh, two minutes. And when our two minutes is up, you're going to hear this sound. And that indicates that two minutes is over. We'll finish our thought, and we'll move on to the uh, next topic to try to keep us on track. It worked well last time, Marty. I am happy to say that we did a great job of staying on task, which is unusual for us so it is so are you ready to get started here i am ready whenever you start the clock go so for quite a while i've been wanting to get the game terra mystica back to the table it has been the longest time since i've played it i own it it's a game that i really enjoy well finally this weekend I got it back to the table. This is a a Euro game from uh, Z-Man Games. And I got it back to the table because I finally got the expansion Fire and Ice at a very reasonable price. When the expansion was announced last year, I was very excited about it. But it was somewhat of a pricey expansion. There happened to be a sale on it last week or a week and a half ago at Cool Stuff Inc. for about $25. So I got it. I said, okay, finally, now I have a reason to get this back to the table. Now, you haven't played this game yet, have you, Tony? No, I haven't. And it was interesting because when you were tweeting out that you were getting ready to play it this weekend, you were very excited. I actually got it confused with the other game that I haven't played that you've got is Zulkin. So I, but then I, I corrected all that. I was like, oh, okay, Terra Mystica. Yeah. I can, well, hopefully someday soon I'll be able to play it. You really, really need to because so this is a game where the whole idea is that you're playing as a faction and and uh, every, there's all the, these unique factions that play differently and you have this board with all these different types of terrain on them and you're uh, building cities, you're building buildings, temples, sanctuaries, um, trading places uh, or marketplaces and what you got to do is you have to transform the uh, the uh, terrain to, into what you need it to be that, that your faction can build on. So it works really well. There's a lot of mechanics going on. It's very Yuri. Obviously you're trying to get victory points and you do that from various sorts of ways. But I play the base game then i added the expansion which added more factions but the thing that i really loved about it is now that you have dynamic player uh order uh in the base game when the first person that passed became first player then you just went around the table in this game player order is determined by the first person that passes goes first the second person goes second etc the factions are very uh unique the new ones are really fun to play with i will never play this game without the expansion Terra Mystica, if you haven't played it, you need to try it and get the expansion to go with it because it makes it so much better. And now for me, though, Marty, I got to go do old school. Finally, a reprint has come out. I don't know if it's called a reprint, but I've been looking for that two-player game everybody talks about that I cannot pronounce, Japor. And it's just recently, you know, you could find it, but it was really expensive, kind of like you were waiting on Terra Mystica's sale there. And by the way, was it worth $25? Oh, definitely. That's why I said you got to play it with the expansion. And well, was it worth 25? Now, is it worth you know 35? Uh, yes, okay, then so you shouldn't have waited, but that's beside the point. But Japor <laughs> is worth $20 easily on Amazon.com with prime shipping. And Marty, two player, I can't wait to play this with you this uh, coming up when we get to our, our game night. And I mean, it is just so elegant, so simple. 
Donna loves it, who you'll you'll hear later on the show. Um, she won't talk about the game, but I really in, enjoy this game. I mean, it's it's got a market. It's got cards. It's got camels, as Chris Kirkman says over at Dice Hate Me. A game with camels can never go wrong, and he's right. You're into these camel games recently, aren't you? I don't know. Well, you know, Camel Up fell flat on me, and I took a lot of heat for that. But, I mean, it's just a, it's a really neat game mechanic of buying, you know, trading in your cards to get victory point tokens. And the first person to trade into the market gets the, the max victory point token, and then it, it trickles, uh, goes down in value. But it, And it's it really is a neat mechanic. And so, it, guys, if you were, if you need a two, good two-player game, this game has been either re-released, reprinted, whatever. You can now find it. Go out and pick it up. Um, Amazon.com, like I said, $20. You can't go wrong. All right. So, you know, we had that thing at the end of our um, box office red box or trash box where each of us picked four movies and the person who made the most money with those four movies combines wins. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw in the towel, Tony. I think I'm done. Uh, two of my movies have already come out, uh, one of them being Mad Max and the other Poltergeist. And while Mad Max has been getting a lot of critical good reviews, it came up against Pitch Perfect 2, and Pitch Perfect 2 just blew it out of the water. And when I saw that happen, I thought, this is not good, so maybe Poltergeist can save me. Poltergeist came out, and it is awful. According to reviews and things I've read, they said it is just not a good movie. It did not make a lot of money. So I'm, you can stick a fork in me. I'm done. Because you know what two movies I have left? Uh, no. Remind everybody which sorry movies you picked. <laughs> <laughs> Terminator, which oh. is probably going to... Yeah. The, the other one, I thought for some reason I had picked Ant-Man. No, I picked Fantastic Four, which is probably going to fall flat too. So either you, Kirkman, or Patrice is going to win this. And I applaud you. I hear I came out of the gate thinking I had four pretty decent movies. No, wrong. Eh. And once again, if you remember going back to my pick of Pitch Perfect, and what I said on that show was plain and simple. I am counting on the youth of America to go see this movie. Now, I will admit, Marty, I did not go see this movie yet. Uh, Rebecca has no desire to go see this movie. But, you know, you said people were streaming into this movie while you were streaming over to Mad Max for a second time. <laughs> That's right. It's like a, a few people walking into the Mad Max theater. Meanwhile, many young people were walking over to see Pitch Perfect 2. So you pick this is you pick Pitch Perfect 2? Yeah, I picked Pitch Perfect 2. I said I'm going to count on the teenagers, teenagers of well, America. Well, congrats. I mean, you, you're already – with one movie, you're probably already ahead of me by the two that I've picked. Yeah. So, but, yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm just going to sit back and, and enjoy the race between the rest of you three because it's over for me well i i hate that for you but we all know kirkman's gonna take it with jurassic world please suck please suck <laughs> anyway so you were talking about on our last show if i remember correctly um a kickstarter that was coming out defenders of the last stand right yes and, you know, Alanius game, you know, Defenders of the Realm versus Defenders of the Last Stand. And you tweeted out, how can this be? How can this game just now be funded? And, and you know, and somebody tweeted back to you, said, because Eagle Griffin has started a Kickstarter for Defenders of the Realm, the Dragon expansion. Mm. And so I went out there and I'm like, okay, I have Defenders of the Realm. Defenders of the Realm, Dragon expansion is 45. People that have dragons... Um, expansion are sitting there and they have been making a killing on, in trades or sales up to a hundred dollars. So I know I couldn't imagine that. So anyway, um, with that said, I'm like, all right, 
Now with this expansion, it will bring down the trades. So I'm sitting here debating, do I go with Defenders of the Last Stand or do I get the expansion for Defenders of the Realm? Then I started looking at the add-ons. Every time you up your, you know, add this little bit here, add this little bit here, it's going to be the same as Defenders of the Last Stand if you want all these other things. Really? I didn't look at the pricing for that. So it's not just a, here's one price, here's an expansion? Yeah, you get the $45 expansion, but oh, if you would like this. <laughs> but wait, there's more. There's more, yeah. I'm like, what up with this? So, you know, I'm sitting here on the bubble. Do I need the expansion, Defenders, uh, Dragons? Or would I rather go with Defenders? Did Lanius change enough to make the last stand valuable? Guys, on our guild, help me out here. I have no clue what I want to do. So my son started a new job this summer. He's working for a company called Board Game Co. Is that it, Tony? Yeah, Board Game Co. with uh, Alex and Dan. Yep. Yep. And so this is a uh, business that's been set up here in Charlotte that's in the business of uh, trading games. And actually, uh, they do a lot of trading and some auctioning on the uh, on Board Game Geek, uh, where you could trade games with them and you send them to their warehouse and the warehouse sends them back out. And and, and they have how many games, Tony, in the oh, warehouse oh, did you was, say? It, it was it thousands. Was thousands. It was huge. Humongous. So over the uh, summer, they were needing some summer help in order to be able to help process the games that are coming in and then uh, ship games to, to go out, you know, do packing slips and put them in boxes and ship them. So my son uh, actually got that job. They contacted and said, hey, do you know anybody that might be interested in doing this? And I said, well, my son is home from college and he understands games and they were looking for somebody like that. So he is doing that for them. So he's only been working there for about two weeks, but he shared some very inter- interesting information. He's been noticing some trends. Mm-hmm. And again, only being there two weeks, he's just noticed a couple things. One, he said he is seeing a lot of people trade the game Harbor in. Why? He says he see I don't I don't know. Well, I, how do he, I don't know. I'm just giving you some facts here, man. So the game Harper is coming in, and he says he's also noticed two other games coming in. One Ascension. He said a lot of Ascensions is being traded in, and a lot of Netrunner. He said, but the difference is there's a lot of Netrunner going out. So a lot of people are trading in their Netrunner games. Maybe they're tired of it moving on, sending in their expansions and everything. But then there's just as many people wanting it. And so it's turning around and going right back out. So I just thought that was kind of interesting that you got, you know, Harbor is not that old, but people are trading it in. I guess maybe Ascension is starting to show some, uh, show its legs and, mm-hmm. and it's being traded in. But Netrunner is still going strong. Granted, people are, are trading it away, but other people def- definitely want to trade for it. Marty, you're a software developer, aren't you? Correct. What is up with not bug testing software anymore? Do, I mean, really? Do, do y'all not test your, your stuff? Oh, we just got this new software at work. And it's like, here it is. They release it with no bug testing. I, I just don't understand. Would you release software without bug testing? Well, seeing as how I work in the medical field, and if our software messes up, people die on the operating table, yeah, we, we have to do some serious bug testing. So how would you bug test software in the medical? Would you just say, hey, is that guy close to death? Let's test that out. Well, yeah, we actually get subjects to come in and go near death, and we make sure that uh, our, our products don't fail in that situation. And he jests people. I don't think that's how he does that. <laughs> come on now. But no, seriously, so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why am I testing your software for you? You are my vendor. You should be testing it, not me. And they come back and argue, well, you know what the results should be. I'm like, it's an obvious bug. The screen's not refreshing. This is not rocket science. Could you imagine a 
board game that, hey, I know there was one that we never, you know, tested this board game that came out a while back. But could you imagine that? Here, here's a board game. We've released it. Go play it. Let us know how it is. And if there's problems, we'll fix it later. We'll give you (laughs) (laughs) 1.2. I'm sure there's probably been games that have been released that are like that. You know, that's probably true. But thank goodness we are in a hobby where that doesn't happen. It's not like software. And if I've offended a bunch of software developers out there right now, well, and you do, and you come back and you say, I do test my software, well, bravo to you. Because lately, I'm just not seeing it in some of the systems we're getting in our company. So, a uh, fun little fact, we actually do testing on live pigs, so. Oh, bacon. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, if they get, if they go away, we got, you know, got barbecue. So, one really cool thing that's been happening in our, our guild is we have a couple new micro badges that we're able to offer people. One of our guild members, Jonesy, went out to the BGG's uh, micro badge request form and basically asked, could somebody do a moon pie micro badge force and uh billy the hut stepped up and said i can i can make one for you and actually made a, a really cool little looking um micro badge of a moon pie like it's a a brown chocolate moon pie with a bite taken out of it and somebody suggested hey what if you put like a squirrel behind it so there's a squirrel with the moon pie which is you know kind of our thing or whatever so he actually did that too so he actually uh, submitted these two uh micro badges the squirrel moon pie and then just the moon pie by itself they were approved and the um the moon pie badge is under like confectionery but the moon pie squirrel badge is actually under our uh label and i just want to thank those guys for setting that up and uh, doing that for us uh it's really cool tony have you bought yours yet i have both of them they are stored now one thing i do want to say guys you know, support billy and his badge he gets a portion of all geek gold spin on that and i'm Billy, thank you so much for doing that. You don't have to display it, guys. Just, you know, go out there and, and purchase one up. And if, if you don't have the Geek Gold, Marty's got a link out there that he's offering up, you know, 10 freebies. And I think he's only given out like one or two. Given out a little bit, few more than that. But yeah, I actually have a thread out there where if you're interested in one of these, let me know and I'll, I'll send you the Geek Gold for you uh, to get it. But they're really cool. And with the Moon Pie Squirrel one, when you mouse over it, the text that comes up is Squirrel. So I thought that that was that was really awesome. So thank you guys uh, so much for doing that. That that was a great idea, and um, I think it's really going to take off. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Rocky the Flying Squirrel. So as Vanessa kicked off in the earlier part of the show, where she teased out that we're going to spend our time talking about Roll for the Galaxy. All right, so Marty, this is a game that I got to play a while back and it was an impulse buy for me and I taught it to you and you enjoyed it didn't you I did I did very much it was I was lost a little bit Mm -hmm. as you were explaining it to me but once I got it uh, I very much enjoyed it and and you know I I don't teach games very well even though I've as I've gotten somewhat better at it but not that great but yeah i mean it's a difficult game to understand so guys we're gonna let you experience that same feeling that everybody else does when i teach a game okay oh my gosh i know i'm I'm just gonna sit back now you're gonna sit back all right so (laughs) actually roll for the galaxy it's a very easy game you just need to play it but i mean the ultimate objective is to get the most victory points imagine that i mean it's like every other game right marty Every other Euro game. Every other Euro game, yeah. And there's no conflict. You can't go out and steal other people's dice. Oh, that'd be a cool expansion. Tony, what's the theme of this game? What exactly are you trying to do? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to build a 
economic engine by either developing technologies or settling planets. If I settle a planet, I get more dice. If I develop technology, then the actions that occur, there's five actions or phases in the game, then guess what? I may be able to get a bonus by having a technology developed. So guys, real simple. You're going to go out, you're going to explore the planets, scout the planets. That's one of the first one of the first phases you can pick. Another phase, number two is... What does that exactly mean, Tony? Scouting oh, the planet. It. Oh, jeez. Scout a planet means that you go and you reach your hand in a bag, I think, if that's correct. Oh, you know, reach your hand yeah. in a bag. Grab a new planet. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I understand that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, stop. Or, well, when somebody, somebody may have no clue what we're talking about here. Well, then they need to go read the rules. They're over on the BGG Guild, and you can, <laughs> and you can download them instead of listening to us two chuckleheads on this. Uh, guys, really, there are five phases in the game, and, you all, and they're very simple to follow. I don't want to go into a whole lot of details of that, but basically the actions are you roll the dice in your cup. You assign the dice to the phases based on what their phases are. One of the most confusing things that people have with this game is that no matter what the face is, um, you may assign that worker to one of those phases. So for instance, if you have an explorer, a little eyeball that goes out there, you don't have to assign him to explore. You can make him go do something else. Now, Marty gets mad at me. I call this a worker placement game because the dice are workers to me, but no, it's not a worker placement game. According to BGG, it's a deck pool building game. Would you agree with that? Wait a minute. You can take a dice that's not something and make it something else. Do you, you mean you can take any dice and use it to activate that action and there can only be one action activated on your turn? Well, Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And that's what the rules say too. And then why didn't you say that? Because I, like I said, I can't explain games very well. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So the unique thing about this game is uh, when you roll all your dice and you can assign all your dice, you may have one dice assigned to every action. But you have to activate one of them, and any of your dice can be used to activate that action. And that's the unique mechanic of this, such that you're doing all this is, is hidden information. You're doing this behind a screen. Mm -hmm. And when everybody's take, uh, done that, they remove their screens, and they show all the actions that are taken on the table. The nice thing is, if, if somebody else on the table has activated an action you have not activated, but you have a die assigned to it with that same face, you too can take that action. Right. I mean, it reminds us of um, kind of, sort of, maybe like Eminent Domain, where they picked a card that caused a certain phase. Here, the people around the table are picking the actions that are going to occur. And you may want that action to occur. And you say, well, so-and-so is going to pick it. Yeah, you can you can kind of look at everybody else's tableau and stuff that they're doing and may realize, oh, they're probably going to need to ship this turn. So I'm going to gamble that they're going to ship and I'm going to do something else. And then they don't. And then they don't ship. What's up with that? Come on, people. Work with me here. So it's a really kind of a basic economic building game. You're trying to build resources, and your resources are like dice in order to settle on planets and, and learn technology. And once you do that, those are activated, which give you abilities or more dice. And then you can have planets produce goods for you, and those, those goods are actually dice. And then use other dice to ship those goods to either earn victory points or more um, uh, money. Or, or money that you can use to reassign your dice to go back into your cup. The more dice in your cup, the more chances you have to get what you're looking for when you roll. Right. And you have to plan it out because in the explore phase, you some you may have to use a dice to add money back into your 
cup if you're not going to produce or ship. So you really have to plan it out. But actually, the game plays very, very fast, Marty. I mean, because everybody's doing it. And I don't know about you. When you first teach the game, you go around the table and say, okay, we're in the explorer phase. Does anybody want to pick a planet? Now, one thing I've noticed, and every time I've taught the game or played the game, it's always been with new people. I can't wait to play it with a whole bunch of people that know how to play it and see if they do that abandon the planet kind of thing, you know, where you pick a planet and say, Hmm, okay. The first time I explore and I'm going to scout, Oh, I'm going to choose this planet. And then you take the next worker and say, Oh, I'm going to discard this planet so I can pull two from the bag versus the one. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen that in action very much, but I think as you get more and more uh, into the game or understand the game, you'll start looking for certain planets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I definitely think it's one of those to where, and we'll talk about this after the ladies talk about uh, some of the things about the game. And one of them is there's some pretty powerful planets in there and there's some pretty powerful planets and technologies that work really well together. And if you can find them, it really gives uh, you an advantage. And a couple of times I actually lucked into those at the beginning of the game. Back to the very beginning. And if we explain games like this for real guys, y'all would be as lost as everybody else. But you roll your dice, you assign your dice to your little tableau down there, and then you do the um, phases or actions that were selected, and then you manage your um, dice again by buying them back from your citizenry and putting them back in your cup. And the first person to have uh, 12 tiles into play, when that happens, that that triggers the end of the game or if you run out of the victory points um and it's 12 times the number of players which i wrote on my victory point bag so i don't have to keep referencing <laughs> the bag back i'm so pathetic yeah because as you play the game you can actually get victory points during the game and so either that victory point pool is gone or somebody builds 12 then you add up all the victory points and person with the most wins and the game's right up our alleys because you're rolling dice and taking planets Dang it, we should use that name instead. No, that's not as good as ours. Well, you know what? There's a couple people that can probably explain this game better than what we can, especially their feelings on it, and that's our wives, uh, Vanessa and Donna. And uh, it's been a while since uh, uh, Donna's been on the show. It's probably been a little while for Vanessa, too. So they agreed to come on as two people that really enjoyed the game and give their thoughts and opinions on it. So here we go. Let's throw it over to Vanessa and Donna. Hey, this is Vanessa. And this is Donna. And we're going to talk about Roll for the Galaxy because I absolutely fell in love with this game and had to have it for Mother's Day. And Tony was the one who introduced it to me. Yeah, what was it about it that you like so much? Well, first of all, the dice. Anything with dice rolling, I am all about it, and I am all ready to play it. I remember the night that Tony was over here, it was getting kind of late, and I was kind of tired, and all he did was just show the dice, and I was like, you had me at dice, Tony. Well, there are what, like, I don't know, 50, 70 dice in the thing, and all pretty I, I colors it, and everything. It just feels like a bazillion to me, yes, and the colors, I love the colors, and you know, I've played it um, several times, and sometimes we just have them all uh, combined in the middle, and sometimes we sort them out. How do y'all do the dice when you play it, Donna? One big pile in the middle, so that when you get a card and you, you just reach in and grab whatever dice you're looking for. <laughs> Yeah, I can go either way. I know some people like to have them all organized. How many times have you played it? Um, I've played it three times. The first time was my learning experience, which I have to say was an experience. Yes, and it is. The second time we were teaching somebody, luckily four of the five of us could had played it before, but the one guy had not played it and was very um, unfamiliar with that type of a game. 
And then we just taught it to some friends this past weekend. And um, that was an experience. I can't wait to play it without teaching somebody the game. And, I, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. So the first thing that caught my eye, of course, was the dice. I just love dice. And again, I'll play anything where you're rolling lots of dice. The second thing that really um, caught my eye and that I liked were the components. I love the little cups and they look like spaceships and they have the icons for the different actions around the, the lids. I like shaking the dice and the cups. Um, I love your little board where you, where you hide behind it so people can't see what you're rolling. All the components. I just, I just loved them. So that was another thing that I liked. Something that I liked about the game that uh, I'm curious to see if you liked or not. I like how there is no direct uh, combat with anyone or there's no way that you can thwart someone else's goals. Like it's just you're, you're playing your card and you don't affect the other player's card. Yeah, you're playing just for yourself. It's kind of like a golf match where you're just trying to do the best you can do with the high score instead of the low score, of course. And the only thing you can do with the other people at the table is kind of look at their stuff and, and try and guess what action they're going to take. Because then it affect, that affects you, of course. So trying to get as many of those um, actions turned over, you know, the explore and the develop and settle and stuff. So I was just wondering how, how you felt about that, that part of the game, because I know you like a more competitive game. No, my, my favorite games are co-op games. Oh, yeah, I like co-op yeah, games. Yeah, those too. are my favorite kinds of games because then you're not going to battle with people. I do love things like Settlers of Catan, but again, that's sort of you building your own, but there is a little bit of a combat level to it. But um, no, I loved uh, Roll for the Galaxy, so I would like to play it once without anybody not knowing how to play it, though, and see how I do. <laughs> yeah, and just sit, sit down and start playing. Yeah. I also like how the play is really just straightforward. You roll your dice, you match up the icons, and you choose one action, and that's it. There's not a lot of time to have to deliberate what action you're going to take and when and figuring out your next turn. You just have to wait. You roll the dice, you take your action. So I like the simplicity of, of that part of just just being one action. But that's kind of the most complicated part of it too, though, is because you have to, you roll these dice and then you still have the ability to move them into different places. And it's really hard to teach that for, you know, I, I how think to move that was the around. simplest part doing that part. To me, it was harder when you're pulling your cards out to choose which side you want to use. That's where a little strategy comes in of trying to plan ahead of, okay, what am I going to go for here? All the, the, the military die or the gene die, the, that, that's the red and the green. And when you're pulling out your cards and laying your, your cards on your, um, uh, now I forgot what it's called, but when you're, <laughs> um, when you pull out of the bag and you're trying to decide which side you're going to go with, that to me takes a little more thought than just rolling and doing your action. I have a hard time choosing which action I want to do, which is most important to me and what do I think the other players are going to do so that I can pick something else and get two things because there's always like three that you want to do. 
Uh, for us, and when we've played, it's it's always been with family. So we enjoy trying to read each other and figure out what each other <laughs> are going to do. So I don't get bogged down in that part. Maybe if I played with someone else beside the family. And again, uh, with playing with the family, that is when we kind of banter and rag on each other so we have had interaction with each other because I know some people say it may feel like like you said it's a a solitary kind of game where you're just working toward your 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 board there but for us it it seems like every time we turn over Marty's always calling somebody you dog why didn't you play so and so or (laughs) we have a lot of that too because Tony's done that to me he's like Ah, oh, I thought you were going to pick Explore. And I'm like, you should have picked Explore. <laughs> so I have found that is a, a fun game to play with the family in in that regard, that there's a lot of um, banter and joking and kidding. And uh, so those are some of the things that I liked about it. Are there any others that you can think of that you particularly liked about it? I just loved all the elements of it. I love that there was, you know, the bag to pick stuff out of, then you're rolling the dice and you're always adding more dice to your your cup and trying to buy them back. And um, I just loved all of the elements of it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I like that component, too, of buying back. Everyone has the same opportunity to get dice in their cup. Yeah, but some people end up with more opportunity. When we played this past weekend, um, one of the women had a card where every time she had, as long as the um, produce uh, phase was played, she got to get $2. So she was able to buy back her di- all of her dice, and I was fighting to get to, you know, get mine. So she was gaining victory points without having to choose between trade and consume. And I had to keep choosing between the two, but it was just the way she pulled the tiles out of the bag. So that's right. And part of that of deciding which tile and pulling the tile out, which leads into um, one thing that some of the people have said as we've played is, oh, it's just luck of what you draw out of the bag. And I guess there is a little element of luck there. She was lucky enough to pull that card. And we have had that card in play also. Well, it's luck of the dice too. I mean, there is a lot of luck because, you know, sometimes you roll something and you're like, I need none of this stuff. And yet you can only move, you know, two maybe dice into what you really want it to be. But I mean, think about it. Really, most games are luck. They either have cards that you have to draw from a deck and that's all based on a shuffle. There's dice to roll. That's all luck. A lot of games are luck. And then there's, of course, strategy, because like you said, you have to pick between the technology side and the planet side, and you get to choose, you know, how to play your dice. So it's both. It's luck and strategy. And sometimes it works for you, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I totally agree. It could be pure luck, and I would still like it. I just like rolling the dice and shaking the cup and <laughs> and, and going with the flow on that game. Uh, that is one um, thing that we've heard people say that was a negative, is they thought it was a little bit too much luck. Uh, something else that I have, if you want to call it a negative, and you touched on this earlier, it is a hard game to teach. Yes, absolutely. It is a very hard game to teach. I remember that night that Tony was teaching it to us. I know that my eyes were were probably dazed and we always say this word when we don't understand something it's from the Grinch holiday hoobie whatty and I was just looking at Tony and just thinking that what in the world is he talking about I did the exact same thing I think my eyes actually rolled back in my head and I just like glazed over completely and 
it's the placement of the dice behind your board that's the most complicated part of it to teach. And the fact that you can only pick one of those actions and you can move one dice to something that you didn't even roll complete at all, you know, but that has to be what you then pick. And then the whole thing, um, he calls it the dictator. I don't know if the game calls it the dictator where you put the little um, yeah. thing up in the corner and then, you know, get to move one dice. And of course, there's a card out there that lets you, you know, move two other dice anywhere you want. And that's really nice to have, I have to say. So, but I've won and lost the game. So, I mean, you know, I think it's, I think it's both. It's strategy and luck. As being on, on the end of someone teaching it to me, and it was, it, it was hard to grasp, you and I have also both had the opportunity to teach it. And in teaching it, I was looking at all the family members and I was seeing them and they were staring at me like, she has no clue what she's talking about. Like, you think you have it all planned out and going good. You really have to play it one time to really get a handle on it. I told somebody when we were teaching it the other day, and I told Tony, I wanted to be the one to teach about putting the dice behind, you know, picking that because I felt like, first off, it made it clear for me. And second, sometimes I think he teaches games too much that he doesn't always, he think he assumes things. And um, so I tried to do it and it was very difficult. And I saw her eyes glaze over completely. And I finally said... We'll play it, and about 10 or 15 minutes into this game, you will be fine. And I was absolutely right. I mean, she still had a couple of questions here and there, but, I mean, one time she said, did I do this right? And she moved her shield, and um, she had done it perfectly and kind of complicatedly, too, I have to say, and she nailed it. She won the game. She beat me by, like, 12 points. Everyone that we've played it with has really enjoyed it. They've really enjoyed it. Uh, something else that is a little bit hard with the game, and it, and it goes with, with a lot of game, is it's hard to remember the rules and, like you were saying, the icons and what they mean. But you do have a nice little cheat sheet there that they give you with everything explained of how many points you get for when you trade or um, victory points. And we had to refer to that a lot. We did, too. Um, I constantly looked at it to see, you know, how many dollars did I get for the blue one? Or how many did I get for the brown one? And um, some of the cards would say things like, you know, it would have the um, ship level on it, but then it would say either trade or consume. And you had to remember, it's not just ship. It's only whether you trade or you consume, not either one. We've had people do both (laughs) and think they got both the victory points and the dollars, but it's like, no, 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 just one. (laughs) I want to make sure we got it all in there. We both like the dice. We like all the components of the game. The play, once you get it, really is straightforward. And then I like the components of of that you can only take one action. Like you said, you want to do more, but you can only take one and you have to decide your one. I like that component of it too. And then some of the negatives were it is a hard game to teach and a lot to remember. But once you get it, you got it. And people seem to really like it. Absolutely. I was wondering your thoughts on this. I don't know if you've heard the the term, you know, gateway, a gateway game from more party games to more strategic games. And, and I was telling Marty that I see this game like if gateway, I think of it as a bridge. And it might be as you're crossing over that bridge, maybe you're almost ready to cross over to the other side. Everyone that's 
has that we've taught this game to, it would be one that we could just pull out now. And I think everybody would say, yeah, let's play it. Because you sit down, rolling the dice is fun. I think that I can invite my friends who are non-gamers. And again, it might take a little bit to teach it. But once they get it, like you said, 10 to 15 minutes into the game, I think they'll get it. And I think this will be one that, that we'll be playing for a while. I think so, too. I mean, I think it's different every time you play it because you get different starting tiles. You pick different tiles out of the bag. And, you know, some days your rolls are good. Some days your rolls are not good. And so it's different every time you play it. Yeah, I agree. Has Rebecca played this? Yes, just once. Mm -hmm. Did she like it? She did. She liked it a lot. Her boyfriend was here and he played it with us and turned out he actually played it a little wrong and we didn't realize it while he was doing it. He was one of them that was doing both actions instead of picking either or. (laughs) We're like, how are you getting so much money? But that was after the game was over. But then we realized what he had done. So Donna, we're going to have to give a rating on this game. I don't know if you know the scale. Uh, We're going to rate it that it's a game. It's a good game. It's a great game, or it's a game you would buy. Of course, everyone knows it is definitely a game I would buy, because if I didn't get it for Mother's Day, I would have bought it. <laughs> Where, what is your rating for it? I would say it's a game I would buy. You have to get past that first initial learning phase of it. But then, you know, literally halfway into the game, you're fine. And it's like, oh, I understand now. And then it's fine, and you can pick it up. And I played it three times in... I guess about a month. So <laughs> I must yeah, like I think it, right? We played it seven or eight in like two weeks. <laughs> we played it seven or eight times. And I really wanted to play it this weekend, but, but Marty overruled me and we played his games this weekend. But they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun. Well, Donna, I think we have to give the mic back over to the guys. Well, you know, they can talk for the next couple of hours. I enjoyed it, Donna. We'll have to get together and play Roll for the Galaxy together. Well, maybe we'll do one of those... Uh, Queen City Gaming things again. That sounds good. All right. You have a good night. (laughs) See you later. There's two people that just said it is a must buy for them. And in fact, uh, they have both Tony and I own this game. Every weekend, Vanessa wants to get that game out and play it. I was so determined to get Terra Mystica to the table this past week that we didn't get to roll roll for the galaxy. But I promise we'll we'll get it in there this week because she just really enjoys that game. So, Tony, we've heard their thoughts on it. What are your pros and cons to the game? Well, before we do that, I do want to point out one thing. I own my game. Vanessa owns her game. Good point. It is her game. And she does listen to the show, so I don't want her to come back and correct you later, you know, because I know how that is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Pros, speed of the game. I love how fast it plays once you get past that learning curve. I mean, even the two people we taught this past weekend, they were like, bam, bam, bam. Before long, they were assigning the phases. They were going through. They knew what they wanted to accomplish. They didn't know all the planets. I don't know all the planets. I'm not going to know all the planets. But I was able to quickly say, I want to do this, 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 this based on these planets. And that's what I want to do. I love the speed of the game. What's one of your pros? Uh, The simultaneous action. And I think that's part of the... Uh, speed of the game is the fact that everybody can do uh, something at once like you when we first learned the game we started out you know okay did anybody do the scout okay then you do this and go to the next phase and resolve it eventually you get to the point where you're just everybody's kind of doing everything they need to at one time and then everybody kind of looks up and goes okay is everybody ready to move on and you you know flip over the action phases that were activated that turn and shake the cup and roll again next pro for me is it's got dice 
I love dice games. I know it's random. Da, 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 da. I don't care. I love the dice mechanic of this game. I love that it's, you know, I can understand the icons on the dice. I like how the, you certain dice will give you these. Like, for instance, the military gives you more settle and um, develop chances than the other. So you've got to think, how am I going to get to those dice? Do I, how can I find those planets? But to me, rattle the cup. Takes me back to playing Yahtzee. I'm rattling the cup. I'm throwing the dice behind the screen. I'm assigning them. I, I love that. I don't have to agonize over, yeah, I got to agonize over what I'm going to do. But what I do, the dice helps me ma- helps speed up that selection. The action selection mechanic I really like too. The fact that you can only activate one action but yet you can still take advantage of other people if they did that same action. And the cool thing is if nobody picks it, you aren't penalized for it. Let's say there's an action that you have a couple of dice assigned to, but nobody activated that particular um, action. Then uh, what happens is those just go straight back to your cup. You're not penalized at all. I just like that mechanic, even though you may wish something would have happened if it didn't. So what? Throw them back in the cup and maybe you'll get it next round. Finally, for me, Marty, one of the other biggest pro is, yeah, so it's random. Guess what? You can, as I call it, the dictator can come in and tell that other dice that he doesn't like what he came up with. And so he's going to come over there and, and just tell another dice to go be another worker somewhere else. I like that's one way to mitigate the luck. Yes. So that one guy you don't get to use as a worker, so you're being penalized for that. But you do get to use the other one. Like, I really needed an explore, but I got two stupid ships. I don't need to consume or trade. Vanessa mentioned about this being a form of a gateway game. And her and I had some discussions about this where it's like, I don't know if I count this as a gateway game as like I would Settlers or especially Ticket to Ride. But here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, I taught my sister, who's not a gamer at all, how to play this game. And I must admit, as we were going over the rules, I could tell her eyes were just like, I have no idea what was going on. You know, the kind of the way my eyes were when you were explaining the game to us and teaching it to us, kind of that same look. Mm -hmm. Okay. But once you got a couple rounds into it, it clicked and you could tell, okay, I'm off and running. So that right there told me that here's a person who is not a gamer that even though they may have struggled the first times through after that, they had it. And every uh, game we played after that, she didn't have to relearn the rules. She got it. So it is a mechanism. uh, It is a type of game where you probably could take somebody that's not a heavy gamer and get them into it. If you can just explain the rules very well at the beginning of the game and to somebody who's never played, when you talk about action selection and stuff, those terms mean nothing to them. Whereas you and I, we kind of know what that means, but to somebody that's new, you may have to get a little bit of a learning curve. And like Vanessa said, she said, if there's a bridge there, uh, that's a gateway bridge, that maybe the last quarter of the bridge is where you bring in Roll for the Galaxy. As far as cons for me, I know this is a net, but I am a older gamer and they took lessons on font size from another favorite developer of ours ignacy guys come on that picture i mean you want me to associate that okay there's a little dice that goes next what is that is that a cup oh it goes in my cup it doesn't go in my citizenry you know the little dice whatever the symbol is behind it come on those tiles aren't that small you could have spent, spilled a little more ink on those tiles. I mean, come on. Think about us guys. Uh, it's funny. One of the things I talked about is, is, you know, we both talked about once you got going, mm-hmm. the, uh, the fact that everything kind of happens at once. The only bad thing about that is, is everything happens at once. Yes. And I'm not saying that people, I'm not saying people cheat 
and it's not, I don't play with people that cheat, but there, there may be situations where somebody's doing something, especially a newer gamer, that you may not pick up on because everybody's kind of resolving their stuff at once. So you can't kind of keep an eye on everything. And because there's no direct conflict of any kind, mm-hmm. I mean, the only time you even ever look at somebody else's board is, all right, what action did you select? Or how close are you to getting 12 tiles or something like that? That's That's about it. So... There's not a lot of checks and balances like there are in other games where if you're taking turns, you can go, oh, by the way, you, you can't do that this turn. Or, hey, here's something you forgot to do. There's none of that, so you're just kind of on your own. And some people have said this game feels like a game of almost like solitaire to them. And I kind of see what they're saying. Once you reveal and you see what actions are available, you are kind of playing on your own. I can definitely see that because... We we didn't catch um, Rebecca's boyfriend when he was screwing things up. I didn't check and balance him. I didn't make sure, and so and then once you feel like the people got it, you're right. You go your, your head's down on your board, so you kind of lose that. Other than everybody looking at each other as you shake the cup, hey hey, how are you doing? Once those once those dice are down, boy, everybody is heads down behind the board. Here we go, you know. So yeah, I can understand that. But a, another con for me, I guess, is the um, fact that certain. And I'm not saying it's broken, guys. I'm not saying the game's broken by any means. But I do think there are some lethal combinations. Marty experienced one. And I think our neighbor experienced one where she was making money while earning victory points. And I know that's part of the game. And I'm fine with that. But if I didn't pull any of those tiles, all I had was a whole bunch of dice. And I was like trying. I said, the only way I'm going to win this is if I quickly settle, 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 settle planets. You know, that's all I got. No, I totally uh, get that. There was a combo that I got in one of the first games I played that was just stupid. It was uh, like one of my first uh, tiles where if you ever use, you know, there's that mechanic. It's either scout or explore, whichever one it is where you can take the die and get money, Mm -hmm. get two credits. Mm -hmm. One of them was if you do that with a yellow, you get four credits. Well, like one of the first tiles I pulled was, oh, guess what? Every scout turn or whatever it is, act like you have an extra yellow die. Mm. Every turn that action was taken, I was getting four credits for free. It was it was a it was insane, and I didn't even search for it. I got lucky and drew it, and that's actually one of the uh, issues my son had with that game, where they he felt like this game was just way too lucky, because that happened with another mechanic. I can't remember what the other mechanic was, and he couldn't draw a thing, or he kept drawing uh, planets that were worth two victory points, and I kept getting ones that were worth four or five. Yeah. And he, he, they just couldn't catch up. So it's funny. The luck to me isn't necessarily the dice that you roll. It's the tiles you pull out of the bag. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, how would you resolve this action, Marty? You know, there's some that says, hey, when you settle, I think it's when you settle this planet, you get to act as if you have another white die. Right. All right. So you're acting as you have another white die. So I guess that means... I, and I forget what it was, but what if you get the planet that says you may reassign two of your white die? Well, you're already acting. Oh, that's what it was. It was act as if you have a white die set to explore. Okay. So you always have an explore die set there, even without it being a die. I guess since it's not a physical die, you couldn't reassign it. But that immediately says, oh, wait, my white die over here. I can reassign him where I really needed it to explore. So I can see where that can come in. And, and that may kind of irk some people off. Hey, how'd you get to, how'd you get all that stinking money? So with that in mind, 
What uh, kind of rating do you give it? Well, obviously, based on all this positive praise we just gave it, I'm. I went. It was an impulse buy for me. So after I've played it a couple of times, yes, it's it's a buy it. It's if you ever see it on sale, guys, definitely buy it. I think you'll enjoy it if if you enjoy the dice games. What about you? Nope. Can't do it. Okay. I can't do the buy. I, I think the issues I have um, with sometimes feeling too solitary, uh, some of the luck of the tiles. I think it's a fun game, but I could tell some of the times I played with certain people that they just they weren't crazy about the dial, tiles that they pulled. I felt like there was very lots of times little interaction. You're just kind of looking down at your tableau doing your thing, and then you go, everybody ready to roll again? You roll, you do your thing. There was just hardly any interaction at all. So it's a great game. I think it's one of those that if somebody says, do you want to play? I'll play it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's one of those that it's like, if I was to play it and I didn't own it, I go, man, I've got to go buy that. It's one of those, if I know somebody that has it, yeah, they pull it out. I'll, I'll definitely play it or maybe even request to play it, but I'm, I'm not going to go get it. So I bumped it down a little bit lower than, than you three, mm-hmm. but Hey, that's why we do this, right? See what the different opinions are. I could, I, I teetered on back and forth on them, but I, I completely can, can see where the great game comes in and, and I'll be honest, come talk to me in about six months, see what my opinion is then after a lot more, I mean a lot more plays. There's Roll for the Galaxy, came out in 2014. It, uh, it handles from two to five players, which is nice. And the suggested play time is around 45 minutes. And Tony, once you play with people that you know what they're doing, that 45 minutes is very attainable. This game does play fast. Lots of times you'll have times on a, on a box that's nowhere close to how long it takes. This one's pretty right. I mean, in the games that you play, don't you usually finish within that time frame? Yes, once I take the learning curve out of it, bam, done. The uh, publisher's Rio uh, Grande Games. Um, if you're interested, go check it out. Again, for me, I'm saying it's a great game. Uh, I would play it and then see what you think. For the other three, I said you better go buy that thing right now. With the caveat of if you like dice games. That's a big caveat. So to quote another great song, Marty, what time is it? Okay, you you com- you completely missed this one. I almost hope it's con time because guess what's going to happen? Oh, I'm getting ready to go to Origins. Yes, you are. You are carrying the RDTN banner at Origins, and I appreciate it so much. While I go scale a glacier in Alaska and fall down a freaking hole that has no end. <laughs> There's a hole in Alaska that has no end. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I forget what they call them in a glacier. I know somebody will. will tell us about it in there but in a oh yeah that's when you're walking in a glacier you have to be very careful that you know there are very hole there's holes that develop like you know how on an ice cube you can have a hole melt through the ice mm-hmm. same thing happens in a glacier but a glacier's pretty big and you can fall all the way down there and there's no hope for you you're you're gone so i'm going to be doing that well the next time i'm walking around on a glacier i would definitely keep that in mind you you, sh- you should but yeah you're going to origins are you looking forward to it uh yes i am uh, i'm going to be going going by myself which is going to be kind of weird Mm -hmm. my family's not going you're not going so i'm going to be trying to find somebody to hang out with i know uh, some guys like uh, kirkman patrice rodney smith uh, our buddy uh, keith collins is going to be there so i'll I'll find some somebody to hang out with i'm going to be while i'm there i'm going to be um shooting some videos i'm going to be trying doing the daily vlog thing like we did at uh, bgg con i've got some publishers i'm already kind of set up to talk to i know i've got scheduled time to sit down and try out rattle battle grab the loot and check out the new atlanteans expansions 
So I'll be covering that. And so it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I hate that you're not going to be able to go, but I hope you have a wonderful time in Alaska. I I should have a wonderful time in Alaska. This will be um, with the in-laws, of course. So we'll be RVing a little bit. So if you've ever seen the movie RV, you can think of me. And have you ever seen that one with Robin Williams? I have not. That's not your humor, so don't. Okay, that's my okay. that's my humor. Um, oh, and if you're at Origins and you um, a friend of ours who's in the game club, Kevin, Marty, he's going to be demoing. I think over at Stronghold. So, guys, if you're at Origins, look for a guy by the name of Kevin demoing and give him a hard freaking time. Okay, just just irritate him. Speaking of which, I will have moon pies at Origins. So, if you happen to see me. Stop me, and hopefully I will not have run out, and I will be glad to give you a moon pie. So, you know, hey, it's kind of what we do. I will be at the live Dice Tower show at, uh, I believe it's it's either 8 or 9 o'clock on Saturday. And uh, uh, Tom and Eric are also doing the Dice Tower dinner on Thursday night, and I will be attending that too. So please, if you see me, um, say hey. Um, I'm just going to be having fun, trying to find some games to play, checking out some, maybe some new stuff or, or stuff that's going to be coming out uh, later on at Gen Con. And what's really cool is uh, even though we hate to see Tony go for, what is it, three weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, right afterwards, the next episode, we're going to have special guest co-host Rodney Smith, who will also be at Origins. So we're going to come on and we're going to share our Origins experiences, games that we played, uh, with some new stuff that we saw. So that'll be a lot of fun. So be checking that out uh, in a couple weeks in mid-June. Yeah. So guys, this might be my last show when Rodney comes on and shows me up, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand. You know, you, you, hey, you, if you snooze, you lose sometimes. You know what I'm going to be most jealous of? Your adventures at Origins, Marty? A North Market. Oh, yeah. That's going to be, yeah. oh, man. Mm. I hope that barbecue place is still there. It's so funny. I l- listened to the Secret Cabal Express today. Uh, Rodney was on there with the guys, and they were doing their Origins uh, prep thing. And that was a topic of discussion for quite a while. What is in the North Market and what's good there to eat? So, yes. It's all good. If you're going to Origins, you already know about North Market. This is the first time you're going, go check out the North Market. And they're not open for dinner, are they? They're not, which is stinks. So you get out of the convention center, it's like, oh, they're closed. So on your RV trip, taking any games with you? Going to take a roll? Uh, it's on the uh, RV. Uh, it's in the RV, and we're not going to pack anything in it. So we'll be playing mostly card games because the RV does not have room for board games. So oh. I know it's kind of, eh, and plus we'll be uh, spending some time in hotels and things like that as well as we uh, shuttle across various places. Uh, it's, this is going to be interesting. So I can't wait to get back and squirrel a few times on Alaska. Does anybody know, is there a game store in Juneau? Is it daylight time there? Oh, 23 hours, dude. 23 hours. 23 hours. That's, that's going to be weird. Oh, it always really weird. Um, it always is yeah. like the glacier thing. Yeah. It's, it's always weird. So, but anyway, I'm looking forward to it and hate, I'm going to miss origins and I'm going to put it on my calendar for next year so I can be disappointed again. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll see you when you get back, man. All right. Well, very good then. Well guys, do me a favor. Keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook.
Marty. Yes. Now that we're done, mm-hmm. what if I turned on some mood music? Okay. Maybe put my hair up. Yes. Slipped into something more comfortable. Oh, yeah. Could you set up roll for the galaxy? Score! Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find All Us Geeks, a podcast that discusses board games, movies, television, comics, Kickstarter, and many other forms of geek culture. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.